Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. We have a very special guest on here. It's the day after Earth Day, and that's kind of synchronistic because Earth Day Mm. is something dear to her heart, I'm sure. Given where she has come on her journey from a long history of best-selling books and coming to the book that we're going to be talking about today, which just launched this week, which is called Why Bother? And one of the areas that she is now bothering is in the area of climate change. And I welcome with all of my heart, a true superhero of love who is in the business of helping us heal our hearts from her very first book called The Comfort Queen's Guide to Life, which you may remember from the early 2000s. Welcome, Jen Lapp. Thank you. Actually, no, my first book was in 1992. It was the book. Oh my God, that's right. I'm so so sorry. No, because you made me sound a lot younger than I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was like, "Mm, maybe I don't say anything. Maybe we just lose about the decade and a half of years. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so hilarious. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, I was really struggling with myself. "Mm, Yeah, I could just be in my early 40s. (laughs) Yes, no, and she's been doing retreats since 1992 and creating vibrant online communities where women are in the business of being superheroes of love for each other since 1999, honestly. And yeah, so giving you proper due. Uh, No, 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 not at all. And you can check her out and see all of her creds at jenloudon.com, which is, you have a beautiful website too. So anyway, welcome. I loved your new book, Why Bother? Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. You know how hard it is to write a book, having done it multiple times, and you know that it goes out and it has a life of its own, like our children. And it's a wonderful thing, and it's a really odd thing. And so this is starting to go out and have a life of its own, and you never know what that life is going to be, and you can't control it. But when something hits a chord, and I think that this is going to hit a chord right now, I think that this is the time for a book like this. It was certainly, I have to say, it was the most unbelievable appropriate timing for me. So uh, just for the listeners information, we booked this interview like four months ago. Right. And we booked it specifically to be right around the time of your launch. And I'm actually going to, because your launch was this week, I didn't realize that it was this week when we booked it, but I'm actually going to leave this interview and edit it really fast and get it up today because it's, it's timely. So we didn't know that we, we didn't know two things. We didn't know that we would be in the middle of um, quarantining so why bother in the in the landscape of a quarantine has extra special meaning and we also didn't know that we would be in the middle of what bridget would personally call <laughs> speaking about myself in the third person that's very helpful a, a, a quintessential 
why bother time? I just came out of a huge why bother time like three weeks ago because I am surrounded by people, dear friends who are wildly successful right now in, in the area that I am trying to be wildly successful, but I'm not, right? And so I was like, you know what? And I love them so much and I love what they're doing. And I'm like, you know what? They're doing it. Let's just mm-hmm. let them do it. Mm-hmm. They're so good at doing what they're doing and they are healing hearts. They are superheroes of love, right? And um, I'm surrounded by really powerful superhero of love women. And so I was in this phase. I was in Mm -hmm. this phase until literally three weeks ago. And I purposely did not read your book because I have to read books continually for this podcast. Mm -hmm. I read the book before I'm going to, like the weekend before I'm going to. So you don't forget. Because (laughs) otherwise I crisscross people's books, right? And like I've almost accidentally referred to something in a person's book that was somebody else's book. I didn't do it. I got a funny story about that. I'll tell you. Oh, good. No, tell me, tell me. I was looking at the Amazon reviews and someone reviewed my book, clearly read my book, but thinks Gretchen Rubin wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, Gretchen Rubin this and Gretchen Rubin that while talking about my book, not Gretchen Rubin's book. So I'm like, wow, God, I hope she never goes back and reads that because that's going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> that is so hilarious. But so I didn't read the book. So, so uh, three weeks ago, something shifted in my oh, why bother. Goodness. Something shifted. And I found out yesterday, a friend gave me a, an astrology reading as a birthday present. And the astrology reading happened yesterday. And I found that I found out that something as astrologically actually happened three weeks ago. And like the wind is more at some of our backs. Mm, like, I, at, I have you felt that. that too in the last few weeks by chance? No. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, anyway, so could happen in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it could. It absolutely could. But my point is, is that I was entrenched in this why bother thing. I started coming out of it three weeks ago and then I read your book. And in other words, I, I, Like I resonated with it so deeply, especially being just a tiny bit on the other side of it even, right? And it was still, uh, obviously your book is going to be helpful to everybody, no matter where they are in their own personal why bother um, inner dialogue. But I just wanted to say it particularly resonated with me. But so let's, so, and I have millions of questions for you. I took so many notes. I mean, I'm never going to be able to like, I, mean, I was like, I want to talk to her about this. I want to talk to her about this. And so I basically have like three single space pages of things I want to talk to you about. Okay, let's talk really fast. <laughs> <laughs> but let's start with the bothering that you are now doing as a result of your journey that has to do with Earth Day, which was just yesterday if you don't mind starting there. Not at all. So I have always been an environmentalist, as we used to call it in the 70s, as a young person. And um, my parents would always be like, where the hell did you get this from? (laughs) My parents were, you know, I grew up in a very traditional household. And over, and I'm I'm married to an environmentalist who does his job as large-scale conservation. And so this has always been a part of my life, but probably in the last, I don't know, was it eight years or so, I really fell into a why bother. Why? I really, I would never go as far as friends would go, which is to just shrug and say, it's too late mm-hmm. and I'll be dead anyway. Like I would, that would piss me off so much. I would still give money. I would still write petitions. I would rarely go March. Um, and then writing this book, I had to really, you have to face your truth mm-hmm. when you're writing a book. If you're not discovering something new when you're writing a book, it's going to not, 
you're not going to stick with it. You're not going to finish it. Your people aren't going to care when they read it. So that was one of the many discoveries I had writing the book. And, and I sat down and before the pandemic, what I did was I started making it so that I did something every day. Wow. So it, a lot of times it was reading things like trying to become more informed, trying to think about where could I have leverage? Is there anything in my platform that could be useful and then the pandemic happened so that was probably four or five months of actions you know calling my representatives things like that a lot of reading and then the pandemic happened and I really every day it comes up on my list and I say no I can't do anything else right now I can't do anything right but I was just there's a great newsletter I get it's called heated and there's a free version and then she's a paid version. She's actually making a good living writing this newsletter. So it's really interesting. Heated. And she oh, is a climate change um, journalist. So that was my action for today was to start reading it again. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I love what you just said uh, about, no, I can't add that. Like, I, I'm finding myself struggling with the word um, extraordinary, which falls under the category of why bother, right? Like, I, I there are areas where I can be extraordinary. And then it's like, I, I, I essentially, I'm finding as I review my days at the end of the day, oh, okay, I was extraordinary in that one area of life. Or some days I'm not extraordinary in, a, mm-hmm. in any area, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I feel like there's like a max. Like I could just be extraordinary in one or two areas. And like you said, you let things fall off your list. So I, I you made me feel better that you're- Yeah, we have to right now because even if my life on the outside doesn't look any different, it really doesn't, except we can't be with our friends, we can't see our kids- mentally and emotionally all of our lives are incredibly different if we're at all clued in you know if we're if we're all clued in we our hearts our superheroes of love are hurting Mm -hmm. and then of course there's the fear for me of my business i've already had to cancel two events and that's a huge chunk of change we have no idea if the rest of the events this year will go that's more than half of what i live on So, you know, that's a real concern. And, and, you know, a lot of people are having to pivot. I keep telling the story. We've got a bakery. It just got voted the best bakery in Colorado in our little tiny neighborhood. It's in a suburban, it's an urban, we call it a faux urban neighborhood in a suburban setting. So we look out at mountains and fields, but we're all close together and we can walk this little downtown. And they have pivoted. They have been so creative and they are thriving. And they had to let people go. Um, but they managed to hire a couple people back. Oh, so great. I know that's kind of a non sequitur, but no, it's not a non sequitur because your it heart is, is hurting. You just like you're <laughs> saying, your heart. what? No, no, no. But your, heart... <laughs> but your heart hurts for the people that are hurting. And you can feel just even like mm. I feel mm-hmm. I do Indian chanting. I've, you know, been doing mm-hmm. that kind of work since my, you know, since, since college. And sometimes I'm just driving through neighborhoods and I just chant for the neighborhood. Mm, like I'm just like sending that. out love in whatever way I can. But so, but I love what you're saying because by this, like you can feel the pain, you can stop and feel the pain that's just less than a mile away. It could be yards away from you. Mm-hmm. And you can also feel the joy at these, you know, surmounting the, the negative, creativity right? and the, yeah. everybody making masks for each other and yes. the outpouring of money for uh, food donations. And... Yeah. Oh my God. Right. Jen Pasloff. We, that's yeah, she's our, been doing such That's a our good mutual job. friend, right? Yeah. So everybody, another, I've given a few shout outs to that, but Jen Pasloff, you guys find her on social media and she's doing extraordinary work, giving $100 gift certificates for groceries to people who need to get food on their table. It's so incredibly important. Um, so follow her, find her. She has a GoFundMe page. So that's our, that's our shout out from 
the other Jen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm Jen <laughs> All right. So, so let's go, let's go back to the story of how, um, uh, how you, how you came to create this book, which is, oh my God, seriously, everybody has experienced a why bother moment, right? And some people pretend they're not in a why bother oh, phase, like for a while. Yeah. I think I was pretending I wasn't oh, we all a white do. mother. Oh, we do. People, I've had, if you read some of the reviews on Amazon or also ones I've been emailed, people are like, well, I just, I bought the book because it's Jen. I'm not in a white bother time. And then I read the book. So here's the thing. Here's the trick, everybody. You may never use the words why bother. You may say, what's the point? It's all been done before. Why does it matter if Jen Pasiloff is raising money? I, then how could I ever raise money like she's raising money? I've had that thought. Um, what, uh, it's, it's too late. He'll never change. I'm too old. I tried. It didn't mm. work. And I'm not saying that those things aren't true. They may well be. But the thing is, is when we are asking the question that way, I call it the grumpy, grubby bummer side of why bother. <laughs> we think we know the answer. Right. And it's no. Right. And so we, we, we basically, we resign ourselves to not having more. And what I'm suggesting is when we're, at, when we're insisting <laughs> that there is no reason to do X, to try Y, to attempt Z, there is something more that is calling to us. And if we don't pay attention to it, we lose, we just contract, we get bitter, we get dry, we get lost, we stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how you say uh, getting your bother on. I love that phrase so much. So it's, it's echoing in my, I, I hope it echoes in my heart forever, right? Getting it's, my bother. It's a nice way to flip it because when I got a few weeks before the book came out, I got a Facebook message from a high school friend that I, I think I've seen, you know, a handful of times since then or, you know, talked to or anything. And she's like, you should not call the book. Why bother? <laughs> this is the worst title. I got a few different pushback on the title at the very last possible moment. And I just sat there and laughed. And finally, I wrote her back and said, you know, we've got 10,000 copies of this book in warehouses right now. Right. So <laughs> Thanks a little for your feedback. Like, right, and right. I totally disagree. But it's shocking. It's shocking for someone to say in your face, why bother? Right. Why bother? But right. I actually want you to ask the question. I don't want you to assume you know the answer. Right. My, my guess is she has some why bother moments that she doesn't want to look at. You know what I mean? Maybe. She's getting us, uh, she told me she was getting a master's in social work and research. And so I don't Oh, that's a hard. Yeah. Maybe that was showing her a lot of other people's why bothers. And she was thinking it was a very, it was the wrong time for privileged people to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny, but it's funny. It's, it's just, you know, when you have a book on the precipice of coming out, you just, those are the kind of things that are so not helpful. I know, they really, really make you laugh. Oh my God. Uh, so, and, and you wrote, I, I have all these quotes that I, you know, typed up here. Um, uh, I, I just, this is, this is at the top of your book, but I just love the way you said it. And I hope you don't mind me reading it. Mm-hmm. What most of us have never learned is that why bother is one of the most important questions we can ever ask. It's natural. It's, 
even inevitable. It's baked into being human. I love that sentence. It's baked into being human. It's the question that can drag you down or guide you to what you want, to the desire that animates and enlivens your what's next. It's all in how you ask, which is what you were just saying, but hallelujah for that. <laughs> and yes, thank you. And why wouldn't it be inevitable? We have this silly idea of human development, like we just go upwards. Right. It's so masculine and, and impossible. But we look outside. I live in Colorado. I live in Boulder County. And we had a big snowstorm last week. Now it is 75 degrees. It's beautiful. The trees are starting to bud. When, do I expect the trees to be fully leafed? and beautiful the entire year here. And that's kind of what we expect of ourselves. We never, mm -hmm. we, we, we think when there's a downturn or what you just went through, I, or I, I went through a few weeks ago, the pandemic hits and I canceled my whole book tour and we're getting no media attention at all because the media doesn't care about this book right now. And, you know, I went to a very why bother place. So just give up. You know? Right. Why right. is it? Why wouldn't we think that's inevitable? Why wouldn't we think that's part of the natural creative process of life? Right. Like, and things have to uh, die to come back to life, right? The leaves have to fall. The, everything has to shrivel but up. the tree's and not turn dead. Out. The tree's right, not right. dead. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> wrong word. Most, dead. Mo right. most of the time, hopefully. Right. <laughs> but look, yeah, it just has to turn inward and yeah. rejuvenate and find its next inspiration. Right, for that such next a natural leaf. part of life. Yeah. Um, can we talk about judging, judging ourselves? Because um, this is a theme throughout your book too. And, and I have like, uh, you know, I, uh, there's a lot of make wrong uh, in that why bother thing for me, you know, like mm -hmm. you're just, you're just so not good enough. And if you were, if it was worth bothering, it would be evident. Like the world would have risen up to greet you. <laughs> that, I can totally understand that. Right. You would get a sign. Right. Or it would work. You would get affirmation and it would work out, oh, by the way, exactly the way you want. <laughs> right. Yes, sister. Exactly. I fall into that pit probably three times a day. <laughs> My husband gets so irritated with me because he does not think that way at all. He does not. And he just like, when I've been pissed off about the way the book's been rolling out and all my grand plans and visions, and he's just like, Oh my God, I have no patience for you at all. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a perfect mate. That is so great. I'm not going down that. Hell not, hell it's you. like, you've got to give it time. You've yeah. got to be, you kind of keep the faith. And this isn't, you know, this is amazing. This book is amazing. And I'm like, I just saw this image of like, silly putty. You know how you stretch <laughs> silly, you know, like this time is like silly putty, right? Like we just have to trust that. You know, and who knows what next, you know, where everybody's talking about the new normal and what normal is going to be. And I just heard somebody earlier mentioning that, uh, well, then there's going to be the second round in the fall when it comes back. I know. It's just like, oh, dear God. But, but it's like we have to, it's like time is stretching and changing and, you know, like silly putty where it's like almost like a cartoon of version of itself time. So, mm -hmm. like, we can't judge it not being the unsilly putty. But, with, but really, you know, the I, I came up with these six steps in the book. Yes. And the first, and I came up with these because I had a beta, beta readers read the second draft and one reader 
said, I'm really in a why bother time, which I didn't know when I sent you the book. And she said, I need to know I'm going to be okay. I need to know that there's a path through this. And so I already, I had come up with the, with the sort of stages naturally, but I called them out more clearly in the book and the book structure. And the first one is leave behind. And it, you know, we could be like, well, easy for you. Of course, I'd like to leave that stuff behind. But when we start to make the choice, like you write about in Superhero of Love, to see some of the stories that we're telling ourselves, it's not that they're not gonna come back, that we're not gonna believe them. That's the way our minds work, the way our brains work, I should say. But that we can keep seeing how we're holding on to that, grabbing hold of that. So I've been having to do that with the book launch. I kept like getting depressed, not blaming myself for getting depressed because it wasn't going the way it was supposed to. It wasn't looking the way it was. And I had to wake up one day and go, read your own book. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't leave that behind, then the rest of the process isn't going to be able to unfold. Get off. Yeah, yeah. Get off the launch pad, whatever. Right. Let's, let's tell them the other six, the other sure. steps. Sure. So the, the next one is ease in, and that's to give yourself, I gave, try to give you some ideas of what it would look like to start to feel a little life, to start to feel a little wonder, a little curiosity, a little aliveness. Because the question I get asked a lot is, well, I don't have the energy to bother. Well, of course, that's part of being in the white bother time. The whole process is about getting you back to that energy, back to that life. It's not about figuring anything out. It's about getting, I, I like to use a metaphor, when I grew up in Florida and we would water ski, you know, of getting up on your skis, you know, and, I, and when you're first learning, you can't get up on your skis and then you can't stay up on them very long, but that moment when you get up, that's what the whole book is about. It's getting back up on your skis. So after ease in, it was <laughs> and for nobody who's, if you have a water speed, I'm sure there's other things you have to have that moment when you get pulled out of the something. The next one is after ease in is settle and not settle for, but settle down. And I believe that inside of us is always a grace of inner stillness. And without spending time there and relaxing our nervous systems and experiencing not being interrupted, not being distracted, not rushing. It doesn't have to look like yoga or meditation or anything, but it has to look like you are still, even if you're, you know, running, <laughs> you're still inside. Mm. And that is an essential part. You cannot get your bother on without that. You just can't. I know because I would, I tried to short circuit that for years. I loved what you, you, you had this goal. You said, I'm going to write 16,000 words and I'm going to do 16 miles a day. And that's so me. And then wait, tell them about that process. Tell them about that story. That's such a great story. I went, um, I think I was about halfway through the book and I realized that I really needed a writing retreat by myself. And so my husband found me a cabin up about 12,000 feet, about four hours from here up in the, um, in the Rockies off the grid, no internet, there was cell phone in like one spot in the living room. If I stood like we could shout at each other every day. So we knew I was still alive, took the dog and I was going to write for five days. And that was all. I just wanted to be immersed in the book. I knew that there was something like a pop that wanted to come, but because I'm my little driven self, I get there and then I start making this really driven plan. It was actually, it was 16 miles for the whole five days, not 16 miles. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, wish I know I was that you're a big runner. So I, I wish I was that good of an athlete, but I'm not, <laughs> especially at 12,000 feet. Um, oh, or yeah. I think it's just 10,000, 11,000 feet. And, um, 
then I, I started being like, okay, I'm gonna, I started this huge word, word goal for myself. And what I wanted more than anything was to be immersed in the book and, and enjoy myself and be recharged. And it's so hard for me to get five days away without clients or calls or anything. And about a day and a half into it, I'm like, oh my God, my jaw is clenched. <laughs> I am like pounding out words for fucking sake of pounding out words. I can't tell you how many of those thousands of words I wrote I had to cut. And I, this is not what I'm here for, right? This is not, I'm here to get work done, yes, but I'm not here to leave in five and a half days like a crispy fried, <laughs> burned out, <laughs> why bother to finish the book, right? Kind of mood. So yeah, that was, that was a funny moment. I can totally relate to that. I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And those of us that have the, the why bother a little bit more hidden can particularly relate to that, right? Because we put on top of, it's like putting mud on a, chocolate cake, right? Like we can, we can make it or frosting on a mud pie is what I should say, right? Like you, either way but, it works, I guess. But <laughs> putting all this driven like goals and stuff on top of a why bother. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, no, it'll just, sometimes some, it, it will make it worse. And sometimes that drivenness is, is actually what's gotten you to why bother. Mm -hmm. It's not that you don't like your job or your marriage or your kids or your creativity or whatever it is, but it's that everything has gotten so gray and yeah. so flat because you have ground yourself into a nub. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm looking for a particular quote that I pulled out, which I'm going to bring, but I found this other one. I love Diane Ackerman too. And I, and I love that you I love, love her and I love too. Mark Nepo. I chose my, my publisher because of Mark Nepo because Mark Nepo had done book of awakening with them. Mm. But um, this quote from Diane Ackerman is in there. Wonder is the heaviest element on the periodic table. Even a tiny fleck of it stops time. And you were just mentioning bringing wonder back in. Wonder opens the door to desire. Wonder is one of the um, sections in Ease In. And, be, and just think about it. If you think you know, and the answer is no, why bother? What's the point? Who cares? Why, why, why ask her for more intimacy. I know she's never going to be able to give it to me. Why talk to my friend about that thing that bugs me? She's never going to change. She's never going to hear me. We have no wonder in that. Right. Yeah. We are completely, I know, I know, K-N-O-W. I am the expert. And right. when we start to say, I wonder if it would be worthwhile to explore greater intimacy with her. I wonder if it would be worthwhile to talk to my friend about how I'm feeling, even though I don't know why, or if it's legitimate, or how to even language it, something starts to move. Right. Yeah, it opens up. I mean, like, just even when you say, when you were just saying, you were repeating the phrases, with mm -hmm. starting with I wonder, it's like, I felt lighter just even hearing it, right? I don't say I wonder enough. That's so good. <laughs> I, got, I got an ah, another aha <laughs> moment from Jen Loud. Um, but I wanted to, I want to read that quote, which is, oh, yes, <laughs> this one, it's toward, it's toward the end of the book, um, when you were, because you were just talking about exhaustion, I'm too exhausted to, to bother, right? Yes. And uh, you said, Brother David Stendhal Russ said to mm -hmm. his friend, the poet David White, when White was lost in his why bother time, you know what the antidote to exhaustion is, that the, that the antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. What is it then, White asked. Brother David said, the antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. Isn't that a great story? It's such a great story. And yeah. which, when you say, I wonder, it brings you to your whole heart. It brings you into your heart. It does. It brings you back to 
being present. Uh, you know, here I am. I'm what's actually happening here, and what would be the next step here? The thing that I really want to point out about the book is that the subtitle "Discover the Desire for What's Next." It's all about discovering the desire because that brings what's next. It's not about figuring out what's next. And one of the things that keeps us in why bother or short circuits the process that I'm trying to lead you through is trying to figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. And if you try to figure it out too soon, it's going to be too small for who you're becoming. Oh, that's beautiful. And I know this because I did it. Right. <laughs> so I'm not saying this from, you know, I did it repeatedly, repeatedly. So if you're, ha- if you're trying to hammer it out with your head, not necessarily going to work softened into your heart. Yeah. And, and I, the, the, really the core idea. So after ease in and settle down, the net, the real, the core of the book is the chapter on desire. And the idea is not anything beyond at the very simple and yet incredibly difficult is to learn to have a relationship with desire. Mm. not because it gets you what you want, not because it feels good, not because you know what you want, not because it feels safe, not because it ever, ever feels fulfilled because there's always something a little achy and unfulfilled about desire, but because it brings you alive. So we just said present. It brings you into the present. It brings you into curiosity. It brings you into wonder. It gives you courage. So I'll give you a really straightforward example when the, everything about the book wasn't going the way I thought it would. My fantasies, right? My projections. My, you know, we could say, well, isn't that a desire, Jen? No, that's not a desire. It's a picture that I made that started with the desire for people to read the book and, and be helped by it. Sure, that's the desire. But the clinging outcome were all my pictures of being on the Today Show yesterday when the book pubbed, you know, having, you know, being on the New York Times bestseller list next week, you know, all these things that are happening. And so if I cling to that, that's not desire. That's everything that you've read about and all the reasons why desire is so-called bad. It's not desire is bad. It's the clinging. It's the insisting Mm -hmm. it look a certain way. But when I got through that over the last couple of weeks in the last week, I started to just really lean into my, to, to my desire itself is to keep feeling and living this book as honestly as possible mm-hmm. and to continue to be its steward, be a good steward for it. And that's something I can, I can do, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's within mm-hmm. my ability. I can be enough at that and I can feel the desire for that. No one can take that from me if it doesn't make the sales or the bestseller list or whatever else I wish it did. Does that mean that you have to every day do the leave behind step? Like- Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, when we make these distinctions in books and conversations, they sound so, and now I'm going to leave behind. <laughs> but it doesn't look like that, right? It looked like, it looked like this morning saying something to Bob and him, you know, gently, lovingly chastising me and, and me hearing myself and going, oh, right. There's that story again. It should look this way. I'm disappointed. I'm, you know, and they could all, and then the next moment it was leave behind beating myself up for doing that. Right. Because right. I should be more involved than that. And, you know, I definitely have seen a little look in, in a few people's eyes. Like I can't believe you're not more just grateful that you have the book and then it's out. Oh, right. You know, right. And, and of course that's there too. 
right? Sure. So right. then I had to leave behind the fact that I was being pissy. <laughs> right, right. Or you were talking and you talk about greediness in the book, right? Like, yeah. and do, do, do desire and greediness get tangled together in any area of your life? Like asking that question. And that's mm-hmm. like in that realm, what Very you're talking about so. right now. Yeah. Like so, being so greedy, you have a book yeah. out. Why are yeah. you, you know, desiring more? more? Right. Uh, I have to quote you again, because it's so good. When you talk about desire, everything starts with desire. You can't bother without it. Desire is your power, your path, the energy to persevere. And yet it can feel dangerous, unattainable, tinged with the forbidden. How do you hold both? So tell us how you hold both. I Mm. love that paragraph. (laughs) Thank you. Well, honestly, one of the ways that I've kind of hold both, I don't want to say I've learned to hold both, is recognizing that wanting to cling, say, to a pleasurable experience. I was having that this morning. Again, Bob is the source of conversation today. So we we're snuggling this morning, and I was laying my head on his chest, and that's so pleasurable, and I feel so good and so in love with him. And I just immediately there, a little bit of clinging comes, right? I want to stay there. If I could just stay here today, if we could just stay together all day, um, if I could just stay in this moment. And, you know, there's other thoughts and sensations going on, but that's there. And what I've learned to do is almost say hi Mm. to kind of greet and welcome the, the, I want to say the um, almost the pain of it mm-hmm. you know, that that like it, or you, and maybe another thing is you sit down at a, you, a great meal. Maybe I'm not a super foodie. I love to eat, but I I'm I like people to feed me more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and but let's say you're like you you've saved your money and you've gone on vacation to this famous restaurant. And it's just like you've been anticipating it and now it's happening. And you know how you can have that feeling of like not, like almost like not being there for it because you wanted right. it so much? Yes, yes. You know, and you're like, but, am and I, really I love, tasting it? Yes. And I love that in-bed moment. I've had those in-bed moments where you're just like, you're enjoying it so much, but you're already experiencing the tearing away and it feels like a tearing, right? Yes. It's yes. like you're so melded into one. And yet you're at the same moment that you're so beautifully melted, you're t- tearing yourself away. It's like, can you just be in this one moment for a but, second? But we don't, we are, we're not actually sure our brains can be. It oh. may actually be neurobiological that there's this feeling of delay. The feeling of desire never being fully uh, relaxed mm. with it or saturated by it might actually be our biology. That there's almost a delay um, in, in the sensory input that's coming in. So whether that turns out to be true or not from the research, we'll see. But we can say it's a pretty human experience I think everyone has had where sometimes we are so present in the moment or we're so present in the meditation or the making love or the floating in the azure sea. And only later we go, wow, I actually really took that in. Mm-hmm. But I think our more common experiences to kind of feel like, oh, it's going to end, or was it good enough, or wasn't as much as I wanted, or right. um, did I share it with everybody enough, or whatever, <laughs> you know, personality type we are. And to be able to just acknowledge that's part of the human experience and welcome it and not contract even more around it, that mm-hmm. seems to be a, a, one of the ways we can hold both. 
Another way to hold both is from the yoga nidra practice, and that is to relax and hold both in your attention and your body sensations at the same time, which your mind doesn't know how to do. Your mind will try to pin, ping, 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 clinging, present, clinging, present, blending. But if you can, you can practice just going, I can, let me feel it all. It's almost as if you make your attention, your attention as wide as possible. That can right. be really fascinating. That reminds me of something that you do in the book. And I'm, I'm, please forgive me for not remembering it fully, but you said, hold this one thing in one hand and hold mm-hmm. the other thing. And can you talk about that? Because I don't that's... remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> but holding, but that is from Yoga Nidra. So like it would be the idea in this, hand, I'll just make it up. In your right hand is the pleasure of laying with my husband this morning. And in my, in my left hand is my, I need to get on with my day. I don't want to give this up, you know, and then I could actually, and you can do this on a body level. This is very helpful. Feel the uh, sensations of your right hand, feel the sensations of your left hand, the palms, the fingers, and then relax your attention and hold both. So alternate feeling them and then relax and hold both. And that can really is a lovely practice to begin to just realize you don't have to choose. Nothing is the matter. Mm, nothing is the matter. Yes. Oh, so great. You don't have to choose. I will tell you that I stopped reading the book and I did that exercise, right? And it was so helpful to me. So that's why I wanted you to recreate it for me and remind me what it was. I thought it was two different things that I was holding at the same time, but I couldn't. Thank you for clarifying that because I'm definitely going to use that again. That was a beautiful exercise and nothing is the matter. Nothing is a matter. My, my favorite p- part of the book is when, I'll see if I can find it. Um, do, 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 do. I don't know. I should have all my favorite parts uh, marked, but I don't yet. Um, <laughs> well, you're not, you're not on tour yet, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be on tour, but we'll see whatever happens. But it's, uh, uh, it's the part about when I realize that not everything is fixable. And that how much of my life I was trying to fix something or fix myself or fix someone else. I think I found it. Okay, I did. Yay. The big difference and one I will guide you through is that I've crafted a solid foundation of how to bother. I can stand on it, bounce on it, check in with it. It's part of me now. I know how to keep getting my bother on. And a big part of that foundation was learning everything is not fixable. I used to believe if I simply meditated enough, prayed enough, went to therapy enough, ate clean enough, got successful enough, I would stop suffering. And bonus point, I would also never suffer again. I believe that this very natural human condition was something that needed to be solved by my continual efforts. So that that was huge for me. And I actually discovered that while I was writing the book. Like I had learned it, but I hadn't put it into words. And for me, that was, that's part of the, that's really golden because it's so easy for me to fall into that very American, right, idea that we can, if we just fix things, if I, if I drink enough green juice. Right. Yes. <laughs> no, I love the whole thing that you said. It's, it's, we're just cracking the code. We're just in the business of cracking the code, but we are going to crack the code. Just right. Once, yes, once I crack the code, <laughs> damn. Woo. And, and you know what? Lots and lots of people use that to sell you a lot, a lot of stuff. Right. I was on We've a webinar. We've cracked the code. Yeah, I've cracked the code. Oh, and if you, if, you do, if you do what I do, I was just, I listened to a, 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 about 15 minutes of a webinar earlier and then I just screamed and I had to turn it off. Oh my God. 
And it was all about, yeah, how bad my life sucked. And now I'm rich. And I'm going to teach you exactly how to do it. And I'm not saying it's not true. It's just, it's, it's a real tried and true trope. And I find life a little bit more messy than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, do you mind talking just really quick and then I'll let you go. I just, the condition of enoughness, I think oh, yeah. is such a great distinction. And I'd love to, to end on that um, with us all feeling enoughness. <laughs> so conditions of enoughness are a very simple, practical tool that your mind may try to make much more difficult than it needs to be. But the premise is if you don't declare in concrete factual terms versus assessments and opinions, what is enough for you? about things that feel overwhelming or difficult or big projects or emotional things, anything you name, you will never feel satisfied. Enoughness lives in your declarations, not out there. So it's the same idea as this fixable thing, right? If I just get to a certain place, then I will be enough. No, you won't because that place will continue to recede into the distance because it is dependent on other people's opinion of you or approval or a certain amount of money you make, or a certain amount of books you sell, or whatever it is. Long, long ago, I think it was my second book or my third book, my editor was pissed off at me like my husband can get now because I wasn't satisfied about my sales. And she said, well, so I, I really want, I want you to tell me what will be enough. Is it the New York Times bestseller list? How many weeks on the New York Times bestseller list? Mm -hmm. And th so this tool came together from a whole bunch of different resources. It did not just come from me, but I... It came from business where people use something called conditions of satisfaction. So if mm -hmm. you say um, to your colleague, I want you to review this report and they promise to review the report, how do they know they're going to review the report in a way that satisfies you? What kind of agreement are you making? And so I used to use those with clients many years ago. And then I realized one day that actually what we need to figure out is how to be satisfied with ourselves and how to make promises to ourselves where we're actually finished things where we satisfy ourselves and can say, I see I'm satisfied. So the four elements are you declare what is enough in facts. So 500 words I'm going to write today, not 500 fantastic, brilliant, incredible words because who knows what 500 incredible, brilliant words are. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What you think, you know, come on. The second thing is it um, has some kind of container. So 500 is, a, is, is an example, right? So there's a there there. Maybe it's I'm going to do a 30-minute yoga practice three times this week. So there's something that allows you to cross the finish line. It could be I'm going to wake up with the sun. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a rigid thing or a time-bound thing. And then you, de you declare these dependent on being an actual human on an average day, right? So you don't say, um, I'm going to clean out my entire garage, write a novel, um, memorize five poems, and run a marathon tomorrow during the pandemic because I don't have to go to work, right? Uh, I had a conversation with a well-known writer two days ago, and this is just about what she was doing to herself except the marathon. Um, <laughs> She was going to rediscover poetry, write her novel, finish her next nonfiction book proposal. She's working full time, by the way, during all this. Clean out the garage, make her daughter a dark room because her daughter's quarantined and pissed in the basement. Uh, clean out the basement, not the garage. And there was something else. I'm like, 
girl. <laughs> so, so conditions of enoughness are about really saying what is possible given my energy, my life, what else I have scheduled. You really fit them into your day. You wrestle with them. And then the last one is you celebrate, even if you don't feel like celebrating. You say, I did it. I did what I said I would do. I kept my promise to myself. And this is the one step that people skip because they don't want to actually be human. They want to be their idealized self. They don't want to say, well, I said I'd answer 10 emails and I answered 10 emails. Let me do 20. 20 will be good enough. But you see right there, you're back in the cycle. You want one thing that will make you fall into why bother over and over again. Never declare what is enough for yourself. Oh, so good. And um, I relate to that. I feel like I've had that exact day where I actually, my garage is so insane. So when I say that I'm going to clean out the garage, it's literally, it's insane to just do that. And I've put like five more things beyond it. Right. And so that I so relate to her and, and, and that's why enough for a long time was like a bad word. Sure. It's settling. It's less than, it's not your best life. Right. Right. What is my best life? How would I even know it if it bit me in the butt? (laughs) I mean, that phrase makes me crazy. I mean, I understand that it comes from a good place, right? And a place of more, a place of getting your bother on. But how is it connected to, it just has so much striving in it and and always, you know, reaching. And I, 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 I love reaching. I love trying things that are hard. But I want to do it from a place of enoughness. I want to do it from a place of, of lightness and wonder and curiosity, not, oh, I'm finally going to be enough when I live my best life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of that inspiration, you guys. If you aren't, you know, that was like a poo-poo platter of what's in my bother. <laughs> yeah, poo-poo platter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, let me say the, the, full, the full name one more time. It's why bother? discover the desire for what's next and it's really such a perfect book to read during this time right Mm. it's such a beautiful thing right now to consider what's next because we're all we're all like I feel like we're all incubating babies in our wombs no matter what sex we are right and that you know like who we are going to step out back into the world as right is something possibly different than before possibly the same likely changed in some way and Mm. that we're all it's such a gift to read during this time i'm so glad i read it during this time and i thank you for the gift that it is because i know that it's gonna it's a true superhero of love book because it really it is in the business of healing opening empowering our hearts and having us go out there and be make a difference in the world because like you said right like you tapped into your passion for actually changing the planet helping the planet like as we all, as we all are, as we all are, I hope. Yeah. 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 Yes. Thank you so much. And I just want to tell people that if you go to jenniferloudoncom forward slash why dash bother, we have gifts. If you give us the receipt for buying the book, we have presents for you. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that so is so cool. All yeah, right. Well, I'll put, I'll put that in the podcast notes. Perfect. And, uh, I'm so excited that you came on. Seriously, couldn't be a more perfect book for this time. I just got chills. Like it's literally the perfect book to read right now. Everybody go get it. End of story. Thank you, Jen, for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a great conversation. Yay. Yay. Everybody go get your bother on. Go order Jennifer Loudon's new book, 
why bother? If you can support a local bookstore, go do that. Most of our independent booksellers are still alive and well, and they need our support. And I need your support. If you like this podcast, please go rate and review it, subscribe to it, share this episode with your friends, share all the episodes with your friends and loved ones. It brings more superheroes of love into the fold, and that can only be a good thing, especially right now. Is that the truth or what? And when you get your receipt for buying Jennifer's new book, go back to her website, jenniferloudon.com forward slash Y dash bother, and you can get your gifts from her. Yay, superhero. Have a great, great day.